Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell. And we've got Nick behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, number 11 in the country, number seven in the state. And we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group and make sure to subscribe and follow. So, ladies, mortgage relief finally is here. We saw rates come down last week, and they came down even more today. I saw six and seven-eighths was the quote I, I saw get posted, which is great news. Uh, this is a result of the CPI data. So the CPI is the Consumer Price Index. It's the cost of things that we buy as consumers in the market. Uh, the CPI data was up 3% year over year in June, which was lower than May's 4% reading. And it was only up two-tenths of a percent from the previous month. And if you look at the core CPI data, which, which is what uh, when you take out the data, uh, you take out the cost of food and energy because everyone's got to buy those things, we still saw only a two-tenths of a percent increase, and that came in at 4.8%. Both of these were below expectation. So my observation here is the market's responding favorably because – the things the Fed did are working. Now, there's probably a, a bigger question here about what happens next, but this is pretty good news because we kind of thought this was going to happen. We had to wait for the data to catch up, especially with that data uh, shelter calculation that's used, um, and, and even shelter, which is up 7.8% year over year. It's down from 8% in May. That accounts for more than 70% of the total increase in all the items except food and energy in that core data. So, Inflation's coming down. Woohoo! Yeah, about <laughs> time, right? We saw mortgage rates respond favorably. They were seven percent last week. I saw a six and seven eighths quote today. What do you guys think about this, and what does it mean for the Fed meeting at the end of the month? Good question about the Fed meeting at the end of the month. Yeah, um, I still don't <laughs> think they're done taking the sledgehammer to the economy. Um, so I think they're going to do what they have said and anticipate and. Um, promised to do, they're going to raise it again one more time because I'm sure they're still aiming for that 2% uh, inflation rate. But that being said, uh, I saw it at 7.3 one day. Was it last week or a week and a half ago? Mortgage rate, you mean? Yes, um, which I quickly um, just clicked out of that because I <laughs> don't need to see didn't, that. Didn't I acknowledge like it, it didn't like it. Uh, so pleasantly surprised with the rates as they are now. So I, I think that this is definitely um, a move in, in the right direction. There's been a lot of buyers that I've been talking to in the past week that are very concerned with it, more so over concern with the economy overall. Mm-hmm. And when the rates ticked over seven, they you know really were concerned about it and mentioned that they would be holding off to see what happens. The uncertainty, I think, is really the driving factor for their decisions at this point. Um, even that being said, uh, there's so much competition in the market right now, and it is really, really hot um, with the people who have the motivation and the need to buy, um, that with each closing of each home, it becomes a comp. And I try to 
you know, make my buyers understand that, right. that the housing prices are not coming down right. regardless of the interest rates. So that's still challenging, um, but this is really, really good news. Yeah, no, that's this is great news. I mean, I am very confident that uh, the feds will be raising again. It would be awesome if at this meeting they didn't, the, the upcoming one. But, um, you know, certainly when things – the fact that, you know, if they're able to drop the interest rates, if they're able to come down below seven in general, I mean, that's just, that is great, great news. <laughs> but you're absolutely right, Stacey, that this doesn't mean that home prices are going to be going down. <laughs> no, and I, I'm sure that the Fed doesn't like that. Right. You know, um, because, but what they're doing, they, what they are doing directly has impact on the housing prices, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and the limited supply. Because homeowners who are in their homes currently and have the low mortgage rates right now, mm-hmm. they're they're really reluctant unless they have true motivation. They're not going to give up that three and four percent interest rate to move right. into a seven. So it's kind of backfiring what the Fed's doing. I understand why they're doing it, and and you know they're they're looking at something more broad. But it's not. It they're they really have put this. Uh, negative effect on the housing prices. Mm-hmm. So you're not the only way that feels that way, Stacy And Sarah, I agree with you. It would be really great if the Fed would pull their head out of their <laughs> butt. And, uh, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the radio here. And look at what's happening. Because they've been saying all along, like, 2% is the target. Well, guess what? We're at 3 Yeah. Let it play out a little more. And that's the challenge that, that I see here. And a lot of experts agree, right? So uh, Lisa uh, Sturdivant, the chief economist at Bright MLS, uh, came out and said, despite the positive inflation report, the Fed will likely resume its rate hikes when it meets later this month, remaining committed to raising interest rates until the magical 2% inflation target is met. And, you know, the, the problem is that in housing costs, which account for such a large part of the inflation picture, they're not coming down meaningfully. And I think that's the challenge. When rates go up, guess what? The, the housing prices go up. So, we'd probably be seeing an even lower number if they weren't hammering rates so hard. Um, She goes on to say housing should not be treated like other goods and services in the consumer price index basket. A home is not a dozen eggs or a flat screen TV or a trip to the beach. Uh, (laughs) Pushing rates higher without a strategy for increasing supply in the market will not cause housing costs to fall until the Fed has gone too far by sending the economy into a recession and decimating demand through the job and income losses. What's your reaction to her comments here? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Like housing is something that everyone needs. It's not it's not just like a want or, you know, a frivolous thing. I mean, to what extent of home you get, certainly there's, you know, room to talk about it there. But, um, you know, not having a plan for how this would play out um, in the long term is not is not a good strategy. Like, you need that for it to for it to come together and for it to work. Right. I mean, they've been um, complaining about uh, unaffordable housing for, you know, for Americans for a while. And it, they've exacerbated the situation to <laughs> to I don't even know where this goes and ends. Mm-hmm. I don't see any end to it. There's so many people that want to transact, so many people that want to buy. Yep. Um, they don't necessarily want to rent. And even as far as the rental market, as soon as a unit becomes open, it's full. Mm-hmm. And and that's why that drives the rental prices up. Yep. So people are just being priced out everywhere 
Um, and, you know, I, I don't see how that ends. They, I mean, there's new construction of apartments all over the place that I see locally, but they're luxury apartments. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that. Um, so, you know, unless people are pulling their money together, um, it's still quite unaffordable for a lot of folks. Well, and, and the challenge here is that uh, you see, I mean, uh, there's no, there's no more supply coming, right? Like builder confidence is way up right now because of course it is. Guess uh-huh. what, you know why? Because they they're they're like the only game in town and they're producing units. Um, so that's going to be really helpful. Number one, and then secondly, one of the challenges here, and Lawrence Yoon talks about this, that low inflation means low mortgage rates, therefore decelerating the consumer prices could steadily lift home sales and increase home production in a few months, but there's not any land to build around in some of these markets like here or like other places in the Northeast. So with so many empty apartment apartment units, uh, rents could plateau by this time next year. So we've seen rents kind of calm down a little bit. Uh, Barry Sternlight's talked about this. He owns many, many multi-unit properties. He gets real-time rental data. And it seems like every economist out there, anyone that's paid to pay attention to these things is like, hey, Jerome Powell and the Fed, stop raising rates. You're at 3%. And the data's lagged. Like, imagine if you looked at, and, and I think this equates to real estate agents. It's the real estate agent that had a great first half and has nothing pending sale right now. It's kind of the same thing where they're looking at, oh, well, it's been a good year so far. Well, hey, you got like six months left in the year. So I, th- this is a challenge here. And right now the um, the CME uh, FedWatch, so the CME group, it's cmegroup.com. They have this great FedWatch tool. Any guesses on what the percentage chance is? that we will see a 25 basis point increase next week? 80. Too uh, low. 95%. Too low. 97%. Still too low, too high. 97.3%. Oh, my God. Bananas. So it's basically, hey, we're going to do this. Now, the, the, the silver lining here, and Sarah, we've talked about this, is that lenders typically bake in the pricing to right. their rates. So it, it the, the, the positive here that we live in 2023 and not 10, 15, 20 years ago, or even 2008 when this last happened, we don't have like that, oh, I know what's coming sort of feeling. Like there's talk about it, but you don't get all this inside reporting that that, that happens here. So, I, you know, it's disappointing to see that. I just don't know that it's going to change. I think they're going to do what they said they're going to do, and then that's going to be the end of it no matter what. Yeah. Of course, that's exactly what they're going to do, what they said they've done. <laughs> so. Yeah. Good news, inflation's down to 3%. We saw inventory bump up again this week, uh, 5,569 homes. We saw rates come down. I mean, do you think rates keep coming down here? I mean, what's what's your take on everything that's going on right now? Because we're seeing inventories popping up a little bit. We're seeing people being able to negotiate on homes now. I mean, we we talk about that. You 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 had this home sale contingency that got accepted last week. Still mind-blowing to me. But Mm -hmm. people are writing those kind of offers again, more so than before. So... What's this mean for the second half of the year? I think they're going to raise rates twice more. I hate to say it. Um, my hope is rates, mortgage rates come down based on this if we still see this inflation data come down. I mean, what, what, what's your we're, – we're sitting here in, in September, right after Labor Day. What, what's the market looking like at that point for folks? I think it'll be busy if the rates remain in the sixes. People are comfortable there, even if they're in the high sixes. And we've talked about this – over and over, once they hit seven or over seven, people pull back. They're not, even though it's below the national historic rate of 7.99%, they're not comfortable with those rates in the sevens. As soon as it goes there, they people do pull back. So now that we're back into the sixes, if it uh, stays there, I think we're going to have a really healthy fall market and um, look forward to it. 
Yeah, I I agree. I think it's going to still come down to, as always, working with motivated individuals that have like a reason to to do the move. Um, But yeah, I think just kind of staying proactive with everyone, um, informing everyone what's going on, and also just kind of reiterating that there is no timing of the market. um, That when when things make sense, when numbers make sense, um, you know, there's you cannot perfectly time it. So if everything looks like a go, it's a good move. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that, that's a really great point. And the consumer sentiment agrees, right? So here's what we're seeing with consumer sentiment. And I, I want people to kind of realize this. Um, so if you look at some data that came out, it's called the Home Purchase Sentiment Index by Fannie Mae. It's the HPSI, which tracks the housing market and consumer confidence to buy or sell a home. Um, it, the full index is only up 1.2 points year over year. That kind of tells you what's been going on in 2023. And right now, 22 respondents, 22% of respondents, excuse me, feel like it's a great time to buy. That's up from 19% the previous month. So I see consumers are starting to come to grips with the market. They're, they're kind of realizing like, hey, this is what's happening. This is what we're dealing with. And a large share of the respondents thinks mortgage rates will stay the same over the next year, where compared to last year, most thought rates were going to continue to go up. And I, I would argue they might even go down a little bit. Um, I mean, there there there's signs all, all all over the place about that. So, are you feeling this consumer sentiment in the marketplace right now? Is that why you're you're a little bullish on on the fall market here, ladies? I've got people on both ends of the spectrum. I feel like um, where like some are feeling positive and some are feeling less so. <laughs> so, I don't have like I wouldn't say like across the board. Um, that there's suddenly been this surge of people feeling like super, super confident. But, um, you know, there's, I'd say there's more that are confident than aren't. Okay. I think, um, I think for the most part, the people that I've been speaking with are hopeful that the rates are going to come down. Um, but they're also accepting of where the rates are. Mm -hmm. So there were people that got burned trying to wait out the market mm-hmm. and that we know and we've talked about again uh, <laughs> over and over. You can't time the market. So it really comes down to the right house. If it's the right house, you have to go all in. Mm-hmm. And I can't stress that enough to clients, even though, um, you know, because sometimes that opportunity won't come up for another six months if it's right. if they're looking for something very specific. So, um, you know, a couple of people have gotten burned that way and they're still waiting for that next right house to come up. Right. So hopefully the next time around, they're going to, you know, heed my warning and, and throw it all in instead of just, okay, well, another one's going to come along. Well, that might not be the case right? anytime soon. Yeah. So, Sarah, I think your new nickname should be Don't Time the Market. Like, that should be like Joel, the process and bead. Like, you can be Sarah, Don't Time the Market timing. So, that would be pretty good. Um, I, I, I love that you keep saying this. And I would argue the reason you two are feeling this way is because you know how to qualify people and ask the right questions. I mean, is that something you feel like you can pretty much tell if they're going to be ready to transact or not, or at least if they're showing the signs of what makes up a top prospect or someone that's serious? I, I, I'm clear that's why you're feeling like you're identifying these people because you're not spending time on the ones that don't. Right. Mm-hmm. Or the ones I would say for some of them, the ones that they don't that don't are starting to move in the right direction. It's like you don't want to overly commit too much time to them. But like, um, 
you know, helping to kind of get them to terms with, you know, where things need to be. It sometimes does take a little while to to move them in the right direction. <laughs> yes, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So what strategies are you using to do that? And, and ha- what information are you giving them? Because part of this is poor education by real estate agents. And part of it is just not even knowing what to do in the first place. And they just throw their hands up in the air. And then there's a little of both. I think a combination of giving them options for still feeling informed about the property, but maybe strengthening their offer, maybe doing things like um, a a quick inspection before before putting the offer in the the like walk and talk inspection, mm-hmm. you know, so that they can strengthen their offer in the term section if the price if you know they're maybe not quite as willing to budge on that um, for pricing, then. I think in terms of getting somebody realistic about what a property will most likely go for, it's, I mean, it's not like it's that difficult, but just like providing comps and like, well, this is what, this is what went around us and, you know, in the X amount of days and then kind of breaking it down further to it went under contract in five days. So, you know, knowing, so their expectations can kind of line up for, for where to put something in it. If it's clients that are just getting started, so, you know, they're three to six months or even longer, six to nine months out, um, definitely I, I provide case studies so that they're understanding what, like Sarah provides the comps, you know, what things list for and what they actually close for. Right. They're two different things. Yep. We're <laughs> two totally different areas here. Um, go in depth about how to strengthen offers, things that we can utilize, tools that um, we can put into offers to make them stronger, not necessarily price point, um, and also put them on drips. I have them on all kinds of automatic searches within their criteria that they're looking for so that they can monitor the market, see how quickly things move. Um, and that, and I can keep track of them, what they're looking at and how often they're going into the portals and just follow up with them, see where they are, see what they're thinking, see if they're, you know, trying to keep them more motivated than mm-hmm. to not, you know, if you feel when you talk to them, they're getting discouraged. Oh, it's just uh, everything's going so quickly. You know, you can tell in their voice. Mm-hmm. So, again, providing case studies of how you can help them and get it done. Right. Now, you might think this is basic stuff you guys are doing. Is that is that a fair statement? You think this is, like, obvious to do these things? It's obvious. So yeah. this is very advanced for most real estate agents. You're, you're smiling, but... Most real estate agents, the, the ba- basics for most real estate agents are deciding where they're going to have lunch if they didn't work all morning. <laughs> Mo- basics for real estate agents are getting out of bed at 10 o'clock. And the, the average realtor only worked 30 hours a week. It's down from 35 last year in 2021. It went to 30 in 2022. Wow. And so what these ladies are saying is it's so, so critical to pay attention to because it may seem obvious. Send properties to people. Give them information. Show them data. Pull recent sales data. The amount of agents that actually do this are few and far between. And if this is the kind of consumer or this is the kind of consumer experience you're having right now, it's time to get a new agent that's going to give you the information because we've been through a transaction together before you got into real estate. Did you have any idea what was going on before I met you? Not really. And you tried selling it on your own. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. that kind of tells you. I mean, you've been through a real estate transaction before. Did you have any clue what was happening? So. These are people that sell real estate right now. And if you're listening to what they're talking about, whether it's pulling comparable sales, sending properties, like giving the, it, it sounds like, of course, make sure you do it every time. That's the best advice that real estate agents can have. And if, and if consumers are listening right now, the reason they come to grips with the market is because they're getting educated. It's mm-hmm. being a knowledge broker in this situation. So 
what you two are talking about, I know it seems like, it's like, duh, why aren't you doing this? But it's really not the case. And I don't think consumers realize that. And I know real estate agents don't realize that. So this is the stuff that should be happening at appointments. If it's not happening, time to find a new agent. And if you're an agent not doing this, rewind this, go to our YouTube page, watch it again, and take notes about what these two are doing. Because you're both selling a lot of houses for a reason. Because you're helping the people that want to transact figure out what the heck is going on in the market and what their alternatives are. It's all about options. Yeah, well, and I think it's it's. I have noticed it's the number of showings that I do per week is is less than it had been, you know, in some of the, sure. the other times. So you want to make sure to take advantage of those times that you have locked in with that person to give them as much info as you can when you're face to face. Because you know, some people like if you just email things over, they may or may not look at it. If you try to call them when you're not like at an appointment or, mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, not everybody wants to hear things. So taking advantage of the window that you know that you have with them to, you know, shove as much info, like, in front of them as you can. Not, like, in an overwhelming amount, but just, like, take advantage of that time you have locked in with them. Love I it. agree with that 100%. Yeah. And I always follow up. To, Do you have any other questions? You know, mm-hmm. so while we're together, what other questions might you have? Right. And that's where, you know, you can see their their you know, the wheels are spinning and they're like, oh, well, maybe this is a dumb question, but right, it's yeah. never a right. dumb question. Right. I try to make them understand that, like, you don't go th- through this process. Right. So how these are all very, very good questions. Exactly. So never feel like there's a dumb question. Yeah. And I mean, especially like early on when you're in the process with them, like once you have a client that you've been showing a number of things to, you have that like real connection and everything, um, you feel a bit more secure about your relationship. Um, that's one thing, but especially early on, like you might not get another shot with them. Mm -hmm. Like they're not locked into anything with you. They're not like committed to you at, at this point yet. Um, so just taking advantage of that time to try to make the best like impression and give them the most value that you can. Well said. So I'd watch this one again, especially this segment here. We're going to put together some shorter form content. I was actually messaging Nick about it when to clip it up because there's some really valuable stuff in there that you two are doing to help consumers come to grips with the market, to realize inflation's coming down, and realize kind of what's coming in the marketplace here and the upcoming Fed meeting. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Major legal news in Massachusetts. We're going to chat about real quickly. Then we have Troy Mixon coming on. So Troy might be the best SaaS salesperson. If you don't know what SaaS is, it's software as a service that exists in the real estate space. He's the VP of Sales and Industry Relations at Inside Real Estate, formerly of Boomtown. We're going to talk about his process, everything he does, next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with 
and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Main Line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's Tom, Tool with an E, dot com. Sell your home for more, and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Time. And we've got Nick behind the camera. And we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. Number seven in the state, number 11 in the country. So we are talking about now, th- this is something that, it was it was actually kind of shocking to me because I know we, we talked about this last week at our monthly team meeting that we have that this is not on people's radar um, and not not our team necessarily because that's my job but a lot of agents that I know across the country have have no idea what's going on here so MLS PIN if you don't know what MLS PIN is it is a broker owned MLS in Massachusetts and uh, they settled a commission case similar to the class action lawsuits that have been filed against NAR. Um, and they settled for $3 million, uh, and this was uh, about buyer-broker commission lawsuits. So now the thing here is that there were other defendants in the lawsuit. NAR was not named, so the National Association of Realtors was not named. Um, and so, and because it's a broker-owned MLS, they are not directly required to abide by NAR rules. So it's a little bit of a – like, we're, we're part of Bright. Bright's the second largest MLS in the country behind the California MLS. So we're regional, right? We're covered in, like, D.C., Maryland, um, Jersey, obviously the greater Philadelphia area. So it's a bit of a different situation. And um, what happened was in 2020, in December 2020, the lawsuit alleged that the broker-owned MLS PIN um, did not um, – uh, did not abide by NAR rules and it uh, adopt, but adopted a similar rule about offering compensation to buyer brokers. So it basically works the same way. Not not anything different there. Um, the short of the suit is that th- there was a three million dollar settlement. Um, Nine hundred thousand are going to go toward towards attorney fees. Two hundred towards expenses. Two fifty towards notifying settlement class members. And then there'll be uh, the the lead plaintiffs will get um, each of the three named lead plaintiffs will get up to twenty five hundred dollars for being class representative. So it wasn't really that much money when it when it's all said and done. Um, 
apparently the ruling is that they weren't um, the 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 plaintiffs believe that the MLS pin was not and is not in a position to contribute significantly to the monetary recoveries. And the, the short of this was that the <clears throat> it, it's kind of it's less about this lawsuit and it's more about what does it mean for the class action lawsuits. So what do you two think about this? Just just right off the bat, what do you, what do you think here after after looking at this information? Well, I think they settled because, you know, they just need to wrap it up. And that's what most people do. It's not, you know what I mean? They, it's probably cost them a fortune in attorney fees. And it, as you can see, of the $3 million that uh, the PIN agreed to pay, 900000 go to the attorney fees. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, 200000 towards expenses, that's over a third. That yep. just goes right out. Um, I think this is what this is more about. Um, the attorneys, um, and and the plaintiffs then will get uh, what twenty five hundred each. Does that? Well, I think it's only that was only the top couple, that right? Was the lead, the lead oh plaintiffs. My gosh, yeah. wow. So I think like just attorneys win. <laughs> attorneys totally win, and that's probably why they bring these lawsuits. To begin and with. attorneys to will not with. sue other attorneys. By the way, like if you ever know, like you never see that happen. That's like a big no no in the industry, which. It's very hypocritical in a whole other bunch of ways. Keep going. <laughs> so I think, you know, settling for them is the quickest and probably least painful way to go about this as a lot of lawsuits go um, just to get it wrapped up. But this is a, a broker-owned MLS, so it is a little different. So I, I really, I mean, we've talked about this before too. Like the sellers agree to the professional fee, right? Is that, this is what this is involving. Yeah. So the short of this is, if you look at the realestatenews.com article, which, which sums this up a little better than, than the real trends article for people that don't have a legal mind, I think that's, and I, I say that in, in the, the best way, cause I'm kind of right there with them is that, um, the, 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 uh, there was a requirement that a seller must offer compensation to a buyer broker. So I, I, I tend to disagree with that one because you can offer a dollar out in the MLS if you want to, mm-hmm. you have to have something there. Now that's, it, it it should be it should be a yes or no. I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, and the you know the the implications here that they they paid three million, they're going to alter its, their business practices. And the MLS pin uh, MLS pin has agreed to change its rules to eliminate the requirement that a seller must offer compensation to a buyer broker. So you know th- that's fine. Um, my my view on this is a little different because there's the two class action lawsuits. There's the Merle case and the Sitzer Burnett case filed against NAR and Anywhere, Home Services of America, Remax, KW, all the big companies. And both of those suits claim NAR and other defendants participated in anti-competitive practices by forcing sellers into a system where they pay a commission that is split between buyer and seller agents. So that's just wrong. It's not always split. There's no fixed fees. Um, Some of these people feel like they had inflated buyer agent fees that are the detriment of home sellers. I would argue it actually hurts the home seller themselves by not paying them out because if you want a buyer to actually close on a transaction, we were just talking how you guys had no idea about real estate transactions before getting into real estate, and you're two very smart women, right? So that's the norm. People don't know anything about these transactions whatsoever. They don't know how they work. If they bought a home 11 years ago, which is the average, or they sold a home 11 years ago, think about how the world has changed since 2012, right? Like like, like dramatically. So- that's one issue. Then, how are buyers? If buyers have to pay these fees, 
How are they going to do it? Are they going to get an advocate? This is like a whole movement to have buyer agency happen in the first place to advocate for buyers. And now it's all getting undone, Mm -hmm. which is is a little wild to me. So I see a a couple of things happening here. And then I want to get your reactions and we'll kind of leave it there because I'm not a legal expert. None of us are attorneys here unless there's something you guys aren't telling me. So I could see this being a change to the contract. Or I could see it that you've got to have a buyer agency agreement signed with a buyer before you go out with them. I could see that those being kind of the the, the, the the range of the way this gets worked out. And if I'm a real estate agent right now, I'm thinking, one, how do I take more listings? And two, how do I get my buyer presentation so good that I'm no longer an order taker? Because let's face it, that was created by the unicorn market. And there's some agents, and I think of a couple people on our team that weren't used to that. And then all of a sudden... They're like now they're in that unicorn market. They didn't know what to do. We've heard people talk about this all the time. And I want to read something from uh, a leader in the industry. He posted this on Facebook. I find this pretty fascinating as well. And then we'll get your reaction here. So, um, you know, what? uh, Where was this here? Come on. Okay. So I can't find this. Should have had this queued up. Here we go. All right. So what did you learn during the first half of the year? Um, this person's a big believer that the second half of the year and the fourth quarter is going to allow you to really see what we're made of as real estate agents, which I agree with. I think there's a lot of opportunity, but it's not going to be easy, right? Mm-hmm. I would say everyone has to work about three times as hard to get a deal done right now. Is that fair for you two? Fair. Yeah. So, you know, in, in 2021, a lot of people um, were, were told they need to buckle down. The market was going to decrease volume, which it did. You know, we've seen that happen. Um, and then he went a little further and he said that, I bet you that you're going to see a 75% roster change in a lot of the major organizations that are out there, whether they're teams, brokerages, or whatever else. And the agent movement has been kind of fascinating to me, what, what, what's happened there. Um, and then I also got a text on this. This is some data that a friend of mine sent me this morning from another company that studies this. And I think this speaks to everything that's going on. Is Where is it here? Um, brokerages turn over 58% annually. I mean, and I'm grateful that this is surprising to you because retention is very important for our our team and our organization. We still have people leave. Like, it happens all the time. Um, But that's what's going on right now because people are used to order taking instead of nurturing clients. And all the stuff we talked about that you're doing as like like an obvious thing, it's not happening right now. And it's not going to be as easy as a lot of people thought it was going to be. And, you know, hard work tends to work. So that quote, along with this story, tells me that's got to be the mindset for people that want to go win the second half of this year and beyond because real estate just hasn't been disrupted yet. That's what's going on here. Yeah. So what do you two think? I've done enough talking. I mean, I think, and I don't I don't know how this would this would play out and what kind of changes they potentially would make to to the contract, but at least like how it stands for us here locally, like I know that contract. I don't necessarily know like ones from other, other states. Um, like the seller is not, you know, required to put any certain percentage toward, like they can kind of say how they want it divided up. Um, we can kind of advise them on how that may play out, but removing the buyer's agent is not going to solve the problem. Like you need, you need both sides to really have representation for everything overall as a whole to go smooth. Um, if it's something where I think you had made a comment for, you mm-hmm. know, maybe it's the contract gets changed or maybe you need to have a buyer agency sign before you take them out to show them anything. Well, I don't know that that's helping the buyer out because um, 
maybe they would like to, you know, interview a couple different people or go out to like, I don't force a buyer agency the Mm -hmm. first time I take somebody out to a showing. And I know different people have different views on that. I know there are certain very like great agents that I know of that do, you know, they want Mm -hmm. the buyer agency signed before they're, they're taking them out to anything and to kind of get that commitment first. I'm, I'm okay with taking somebody out without having that and making sure that we're a good fit, that we like each other, that we can like properly communicate because, you know, I think it, it does come up sometimes where like you meet somebody and no matter how clear you think you're being or how clear they think they're being, you just, there's a lot of miscommunication, like you just don't get each other, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that like the buyer should have the opportunity to go out and like meet with more than one agent and see who feels like a good fit and not just have Mm -hmm. to like sign one with, with whoever they had. I also think you could really be getting into a super sticky area in the like in between of things changing over. Cause like right now, like, you know, for in the, for the most part, it is the seller that is paying the commissions. If things like start to switch over, you could have a lot of people that fall into a category where maybe they sold um, and had to pay and they paid both, but then they still have to pay on the buy end. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the, the changeover period, if there is one to take place, could get really hairy. And like, those are the people that probably wish they would have saved the lawsuit for that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's going to have to be some like disruption with the finance industry too. I mean, if they can, buyers could, the buyers, sometimes they buy these homes and they have like literally like nothing left after they buy the property because they want to get into a place that's going to be a good fit for them long-term. So there's, it's going to hurt sellers at some point. And that's what I don't think these people realize. I think it's definitely going to hurt sellers Mm -hmm. because they don't, quite understand until you tell them the ramifications of what the reduced commission is or, you know, FISBO is. Um, if if you thought buyers were confused from just for, about the process in the beginning and then you are going to tell them that they're responsible for paying all these additional fees where, mm-hmm. where sometimes their eyes glaze over with the closing costs in Pennsylvania. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, just when you try to explain the transfer tax. Yeah. You know, why do I have to pay this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you're trying to talk to them about prorated taxes, mm-hmm. you know, paying back what the sellers paid forward. Yeah. Um, and their eyes glaze over. And then you're going to tack on this buyer agency commission, mm-hmm. you know. It's either that or pay an attorney. And maybe the attorneys are behind all this disruption to begin with. Ooh. Right? Conspiracy I mean, theory. <laughs> I like it. Because the whole reason that the sellers, um, that this – was put in place was because the buyers were getting burned. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if buyers... That, that is very true. Like, a lot of people right. for, tend to forget history here. Yeah, so, and this is the whole reason why this came about, because buyers deserve representation. Mm-hmm. They're already putting out a lot of money to get into a home. People are already complaining about how unaffordable it is anyway. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to beat the buyers more right. with all these additional fees that they could potentially have to pay. Right. To me, it's... There's something other going on, and maybe it is (laughs) this new disruption, you know, with the attorneys wanting to get involved. Um, But I think that it's so vital for buyers to have their own representation. Uh, If they rely on the seller's agent to represent, it's going to be a disaster for the industry. You're going to see more deals fall apart. Mm -hmm. You're going to see more money being wasted and more buyers losing out on opportunity and losing more money. Right. And we're going to be back to square one. Right. 
Yeah, this was implemented back in 1993. So, I mean, this isn't like something that is just like brand new that, right. that, that happened. So um, I think you both bring up a really good point here. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see these big companies settling this lawsuit, by the way. I, I'm clear they're going to fight it. And a lot of the things they implement like or they, they allege in this is that there's a fixed fee. I don't know about any fixed fees on listings. Uh-huh. I mean, give them, and you see companies like Redfin and these other places that come in and and, and figured out ways around that. So I, I don't I don't really agree with all that. Um, I'm disappointed to see the MLS pin do this. And Massachusetts is a very like anti business state in general. I think they're really tough to deal with for my friends up in Massachusetts. I have no uh, holding no punches here. I think this is this is documented in other industries. So th- there's some challenges here. Um, if I'm an agent, I'm making sure I can sell myself as a resource because if you got to explain to a buyer, hey, it's going to cost money to work with me, and all you're doing is opening doors and putting them on an MLS trip, you're not going to get hired. I mean, that that that's the thing I see here is that it's going to be really, really important for folks to be able to sell themselves and sell their value and show what you can do. So you talked about the buyer agency contract. I mean, you might need to be meeting every buyer in your office before you take them out now or meeting them in person somewhere where, hey, I'll meet you at the property. We'll see how it goes. And I'm not saying that's the wrong approach. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that your approach might have to change a little bit. Yeah. Because if you're spending time with people and there's no guaranteed you're getting paid as an agent, you're not protecting your business. Right. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Uh, this is just, and, and it's really treating your business like a business. I'm clear that's the main message here is that if you're not working on this stuff and practicing, then you're going to be in trouble. I agree. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We are coming back, and we have Troy Mixon, the VP of Sales and Industry Relations at Inside Real Estate, coming on next. Troy's one of the best salespeople I've ever met. He's got legendary sales numbers in the SaaS and software space in real estate. We'll be right back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's tomtool with an e.com. 
Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Uh, I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. She's Stacy Mitchell. We got it all fixed here. We had a little reverb going. And we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania. And we have Troy Mixon on the line. Troy, can you hear? There he is. Look at this guy. Uh how you doing, man? How are you? How we doing? Oh, you know, it's uh, 100 plus degrees here in Charleston, South Carolina. So just trying to stay cool any way possible. How's everything in Philly? Equally hot, I would say. Um, I mean, we're, you know, we're, okay. it's, uh, we're, I think it's, it's a little hot in here, if you ask me. So I, I've, I have a suit on. The ladies get to dress a lot differently in this time of year. So it's a little better. But uh, so we got Troy on here. Troy is with Inside Real Estate. So um, he's the yeah. VP of. Uh, sales and industry relations, uh, major uh, history in sales in the real estate space. So, Troy, thanks for coming on, first and foremost. Where can people get in touch with you, and why don't you give us a little bit of background in the real estate space? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it, Tom. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you're also, also, Stacey, Sarah, hello. Uh, hopefully, everybody can understand the accent. Uh, it can get <laughs> strong sometimes. But, uh, yeah, so I've been here, been in software uh, as a service for about Let's see, 16 years or so, uh, specifically within real estate for 10. I uh, came at a company, Boomtown was one of their first sales guys, as, as we know. Um, we've been acquired by Inside Real Estate. It's been an awesome family, uh, kind of getting it kicked off and continuing to grow. Because uh, one of the, you know, not to interrupt that, but one of the things y'all were mentioning earlier as I was listening, I love the fact that the 50% of agents changing brokerages, I would have actually guessed higher. Personally, just from dealing with agents twenty four seven, I would have probably I would have probably put it like sixty percent. It was fifty eight, uh, so you were close. But it, oh, oh, it was okay. I wrote down fifty. I was like, must have, uh, must have kind of you know my South Carolina math must have kicked in. But uh, <laughs> but but no, I've uh, been here ten years now, and you know, super excited that uh, we're continuing this journey. And just like you guys were mentioning, with you know, people out there that really need to concentrate on the real estate agent they're choosing. You know, I think it's now in these times, uh, you know, agents are doing the same with even the companies they're choosing, right? The, the folks who have been around for, for years and years uh, and, you know, very fortunate to be paired up with Inside Real Estate because, you know, have a lot of the synergy and kind of the missing pieces that we've had. And we're just picking up, you know, where we left off and, and trying to provide our clients more value. So we're stoked. And I just get, I'm just excited to be with the king today because, Ladies, I don't mean to make his head bigger, but uh, he is, you know, I've seen this guy win awards for battling on stage uh, in front of huge audiences for, for sales kickoff. So uh, I'm excited to be able to talk to the man. Well, if you're going to keep this up, we're going to hang up on you, Troy. So uh, we want to talk about you and we want to talk about your business. So you're with Inside yeah. Real Estate, um, formerly of Boomtown. Yep. Obviously, they got acquired. So talk to me how companies yep. like yours in the SaaS space, and you're one of the legendary SaaS salespeople. I think literally like you've had some of the highest sales that, that they've ever seen in the space for real estate. How do you yeah. support agents? Because a lot of people, they think they don't need to use the CRM or it's not something that's going to be valuable to them. 
And in fact, the folks that lean into what you're doing see major hockey stick-like growth in their business. Yeah. Yeah, well, you said it perfectly before you went to break, Tom. It's all about looking at it as a business, right? I mean, that's the key, that's the key point. Uh, folks who look at it as a transaction, and that's it, and they got into real estate to make sales, they will never be successful for the long game. Sure, they might be able to have a couple of deals because the market's so hot and they run their sphere out, but then they exit within two years, right? It's, it's purely looking at everything as how can I run a business and remember, you know, when, well, when the whole red box blockbuster thing, the popular thing in real estate was to say, yep. hey, well, look at Netflix. What do you think blockbuster saying, right? I mean, six years ago, seven years ago, everybody was posting that over and over again to talk about change. When in reality, it's not, you know, Netflix wasn't positive, you know, net, net money just off the rip, right? Like they, they had to put in things in place, right? They were in the red a little bit. They weren't just always in the black. Like it's not something that's built overnight. And I just, I try to make sure clients understand it's a business. And if you're looking at it as a business, then we can provide the tools to really help you, uh, you know, take advantage of everything. But if you're going to look at it as a transaction, then I suggest you, you switch, <laughs> switch industries as quick as possible. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's, that's kind of, that's just been my, you know, over the years you see agents come and go, right. You know, similar to you guys and who y'all deal deal with on a daily basis. But, uh, you know, I think folks are somewhat, they don't, when they don't have systems, right. They don't even understand what makes them successful. So I guess I do say that tongue in cheek with, I do feel for those that are genuinely trying to build a business and maybe hadn't, you know, seeked out the right leadership or coaching to, to take advantage of that. And, but at the end of the day, I, I think most agents faults to why they don't last, um, in, you know, within the industry is just purely not looking at it, um, as their own business. So how do you sell that to somebody? Because, I mean, I, I'd imagine on, on the sales calls you've had, you've dealt with all – he's dealt with yeah. realtors. So we can all sympathize years. with him, right? Yes, 10 yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. Still, I, my hair, you know, is not gray yet, which is, you know, amazing. Uh, um, I would – it's just being honest. Like, I, I remind them that I'm just like them, right? It's no different. Sales is sales. People are people. Yes, I'm on the tech side. But at the end of the day, this industry will always – be to the agent, right? Like it will always revolve around the agent and the relationships. It's the biggest purchase, you know, that anyone will ever make. So I'm not here to be like software. Let me take the business away from you. I'm just here to supplement so that you can focus on selling, right? So you can focus on what you do best. Mm -hmm. And whether that's leading a team, whether that's being a rock star agent, uh, it's reminding them, but also having the frank conversation that if, if they're like, Hey, my, the thing I hate over the years where they're like, well, just give me a, give me a quick pitch. Just give me the pitch. Just give me the pitch. And I'm like, this is probably not right for you. Like it's, it's not a uh, one size fits all, right? Like it's a consultation and an upfront conversation, just like you have with your, you know, whether it be buying and selling clients when you, when you sit down with them to, to let them know what this process is, is like. It's just being frank with them. And uh, fortunately for me, that, that's paid off dividends and something that I always try to preach to our guys and gals here that at the end of the day, just being yourself, being open and honest with clients and, they understand because they're salespeople too. And if they're not, and they're not looking at a business, then they don't need to be clients because they just won't be long-term partnerships. Love it. Ladies, what questions do you have for Troy? <laughs> All right. Well, if you don't I have am any. A girl, I am a girl dad lady. Well, I, I was going to say, like, I, uh, I am uh, a little sluggish today because my baby girl, uh, she, she's been to the doctor today and the strep was negative. So uh, <laughs> it's been a sleepless night. So. Uh, having to make sure I got my caffeine to keep it, keep it going. <laughs> I like it. 
All right, so Sarah went to Clemson. So I mean, yeah. I think you're you're a Gamecock, oh, no. right? So it's uh, oh, no. you're a Gamecock. Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. There's other things we can Start call Troy black. off air, but uh, so yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, did not. What what led you down to Clemson? So I actually, I, my family lived in Greenville for a couple years when I was in middle school. I'm like, I'm from Pennsylvania. Yep. We moved down there for a couple years, moved back. Um, I went to like soccer camps yep. there and stuff. And then my older sister went to Clemson, went down to visit her. And I was like, well, this is awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a be- it's a beautiful campus. I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, my wife's from Spartanburg. So right oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, then my uh, young so, my younger okay. sister my younger sister ended up going to University of South Carolina. So even though we're like okay. from Pennsylvania, we had like the house divided for like Clemson yeah, yeah, and yeah, USC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Is she a doctor? Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, she's hey, in the hey, well, she's me, in my... sciences, but yeah. <laughs> okay, no, totally a joke because uh, I don't know how much you know about uh, you know Boomtown CEO now. He's a director of strategies for inside real estate. Uh, Greer Allen, he's a something guy. So, oh, you know, we've uh, we've had to, yeah, yeah, we had, yeah, we had to, you know, I knew who signed my check, so I was, <laughs> yeah, just, uh, you know, kept my kept my mouth up for for many years. Yep, yep. But, yeah, Tom, have you gotten into college football at all, or? Um, I mean, I, I went to a pro. basketball school, so we didn't uh, we don't we don't watch too much college football up at Syracuse. They're pretty bad, so um, it's uh, the way it is. But um, although we did beat Clemson a couple years ago, yeah, I think I did. texted Sarah that, or I asked Kev, a friend of ours too so before we started working together. So, so Troy, we got a couple minutes left here. So, how's what's the best way for yep. people to get in touch with you? Do we go to like do you hit him? Do you hit you on Instagram? Like, I mean, don't give out your phone number yeah. on the radio here, but what's the best way yeah, to reach yeah, out? Yeah, no, I I, I appreciate it. Uh, just P Mixon at InsideRealEstate.com or Troy Mixon, T-R-O-Y-M-I-X-O-N on Instagram. Uh, e- either way is fine. And, you know, whatever I can do, I'm happy to help. And I always say that if I don't have dances, I'm even more than happy to give you a suggestion or maybe it would be a better fit if it's not with us. But the beautiful thing about, you know, Inside Real Estate is we kind of have all, all the tools for no matter where you're at in your journey to, to help you along the way. Love it. All right, well, Troy, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate you. You're looking very, very thin. Troy, how much Uh, weight have you lost in the past year? About about 70 pounds. So uh, the the great man, Tom Cool, is the one that got me on the Peloton. Uh, We were at a conference, (laughs) and he found out out that I had a Peloton. He goes, you have a Peloton? And I was like, yeah, it just sits in my garage, which is probably, you know, no joke. Uh, But uh, he's like, he got me going. He, He kept me accountable for... You know, that first month of, wow. hey, let's do it at least three times a week. And now I'm obsessed. I do it about every day. Now, I mean, you look great, dude, in all seriousness. I'm very grateful you, for bro. that. Appreciate the friendship. Appreciate the relationship. T-Mixing and InsideRealEstate.com. That's it for this week's episode. You can follow us live every week, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. You can follow Sarah at Ty underscore tie Time. You can follow Stacy at the number two, Mitchco, both on Instagram. You can follow me at Tom Tool 3 rd And we'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in.